To all the mothers, can we just give it up for all the mothers in the room? Yeah. What's great about our church is um, we're at the stage in our church where we have like all all different walks of life, all different ages, people who you know have, have kids but they're grown. We've got a ton of families around. We've got young families, people who are expecting all across the board, people who are thinking about having kids, that kind of stuff. And so um, we decided uh, for Mother's Day, Father's Day, that we're going to do a series on parenting. And here's the deal. This is, this is, you probably never thought about this, but when it comes to church and content and a thing like Mother's Day, Mother's Day is something we want to celebrate, and at the same time, it's, it's something that's a source of pain for some people as well. And we just want you to know, no matter how it hits you, whether you, know, you can call your mom today or your mom's no longer with you or wherever, wherever you are, we want you to know we're with you as a church, um, that we're in this together. And in a sense, um, uh, Rebecca Hargis and I were talking about this the other day, but in a sense, the church is a great plan B for the family when it doesn't work out. When your family doesn't work out, this can be a family, and, and we pray that that is the case here at, at Colorado Life Church. So we're in the series called uh, Legit, and it's about parenting, and we, we said it this way, we want to be legit because it, parenting is just something that's worth being good at. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there's good things, there's things in life that are just worth putting an effort towards, being good at, you know, brushing your teeth, driving a car, not getting arrested too much. You know, those are things that we see, you know, just worth being good at. And parenting is one of them. Sorry, that was a strange one, I know. But like, um, parenting is just one of them. Like, like when you think about the things you want to accomplish in life, if, if, if that involves having children, it's like... I want to be good at that. I, I hope that's something that's a positive thing. I hope it's something that throughout my lifetime brings not just me joy, but my kids. It's just, we can all agree that parenting is something worth being legit at. So this is about us trying to be legit at parenting as, as parents. And, and we said this last week, but honestly, there is something for everybody uh, in, in this series. Um, Honestly, like in today is no different. We're going to talk about the four stages of parenting today. And honestly, like I, I know, like we, we said it this way. We said that this is going to be, uh, it'll be helpful. What? Oh, shoot. I'm going to forget it now, what I said, and it's not on the slide. But it's like this will be helpful for some, but more helpful for other. No. It was so good, too. It was nice and quippy. Anyway, it's going to be good for all of us. There's something for everybody here. Um, Oh, here it is. There's something for everyone, but there are more for some. Nailed it. Yeah, first try. Uh, there, there's something for everybody, but there's more for some. If you're a parent in the room, and we're going to talk about the four stages of parenting today, there's a lot for you. I don't need to say more. If you're a kid in the room, there's still a lot for you. If nothing else, you'll understand where we're coming from as parents, why we're telling you to go to sleep sometimes when you don't want to, why we're yelling at you, why we're crying after we yell at you, why we're, you know, like all of these different things. All the lines we draw, the desires we have for kids, like all of that will kind of come out. If you're a student, I'm really excited you're here today because this says a ton for you. If you're just starting a family, this is like perfect because like you get to get everything right. You know, for all those of us who already have kids, we're like behind the curve just automatically because we've started. You haven't even started yet, so you're good. And then for those of you with, you know, parents with adult children, I still think there's a lot in it for you as you realize and you think back to those years when you're 
raising your kids and they're in the house and that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot here for you as, as you reflect. And, and honestly, if you need to make it, it's Mother's Day. They might even call you if you're a mother and, and, and you might say, you know what, honey? Like, I, I was thinking, we went to church today. I was thinking about this and I'm sorry. Or, you know, I remember this time and this phase in your life. And I think I may have messed up a little bit. And the thing is, is the beautiful thing is, is I, I think deep down in, in our hearts, every one of us, we're all children of somebody. We want to extend grace and we want to, we, we're still rooting for our parents. Even if we're, you know, the last time we talked to them, we yelled at them. We still are rooting for them. And there's, I think there's still grace. And, and that's what we talked about last week is, is um, <laughs> parenting sometimes feels like this. Like it, things are going so well, and then all of a sudden, whoa! You know, like this. Th- I think this picture just embodies parenting, and um, and it's it's so bad. It's just, I mean, it's a picture of a baby airborne and about to go headlong into the sand. But it, it's it, there's there's after pictures of this one, and the baby's okay, so that that's good. But here's the thing: is um, you know, we talked about this last week. This is how parenting feels. Every, we just make, it's, it's impossible not to make mistakes. And so we said this phrase, we put it this way, that grace is needed when it comes to parenting. Grace is needed and grace is offered. We talked about the vertical relationship that we have with God, that every kid, when we receive the kid, it's like, you know, batteries included, grace is included. Every kid comes prepackaged with, with batteries from God, or bat- batteries, yes, batteries too, but grace from God, that hey, you're going to mess this up, you're going to drop them, you're going to drop the ball, and, or literally drop them at some point in time, and, and that's, there's still grace, and then the question that we left it with last week was, the, the question is, that's a vertical thing, what about the, the horizontal is, will we extend each other grace? Will we give grace to one another? That's what's the real question. It's not a question of whether God will give us grace. It's whether we will be, give our parents grace. You'll give your mom grace. You, you'll, you'll give your child grace. Because we all need it. Grace is needed. And hopefully, grace is accepted. Or, um, grace is offered. But here's the, here's the funny part. Is like, and this is my intro for this morning. There's some, go back to that picture. There's something about... Um, like, yes, that's terrifying. And then there's another side. That's the mom's terrified. Look at the dad. And he doesn't realize what's going on. But here's the thing that you have to know about dads. And this is one of those natural phenomenons. Dads love to get their children airborne. I, I heard a mm-hmm. I heard an amen in the back. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's one of those beautiful things in nature that doesn't make sense. Like a rainbow or the aurora, aurora borealis or like the you know, the migration of, of monarch butterflies going to that one spot every year. Dads just it's, it, it love this beautiful thing of their kids, like, screaming with delight, airborne. And I wanted to get this picture. Jesse, some of you guys know Jesse Matner. He's got a picture. I'm not kidding you. J-Mo, when he was, like, three years old, is, like, almost to the peak there. Like, he is so high. And Marnie's a photographer, and she, she like, snapped it right at the apex. And, and the kid's just, like... And Jesse's like, yeah, you know, it's just this thing that we love to get our kids airborne. So I wanted to share three Don F. Airborne stories with you this morning, one for each of my children. The first one is a video. I have a video. 
And this one's not like, this is, just so you know, this is not my personal best for Airborne for Titus, but like, it, it's just a good one of Titus. This is when he's little, he's just learning to walk, he's learning his boundaries and, and edges and things. Can you play that one? There you go, yeah. It, it, that's me in the background right there on the couch. I'm literally chanting, go, go, and then like, yeah, buddy, all right. And he just like falls off. And look at the smile on his face, okay? This is not abuse, okay? This is, this is like good, this is good, clean fun. But like women, the women are just like, why? And the men are like, I, I get it. You know, like we just love to see our, our kids airborne. A couple more airborne stories. One more, one more. Yeah, there he is. Okay, just shut that off. Um, it's so fun being a dad. So Jesse Matner and I are a big snowstorm, and, and Jovi is like, I don't know, three at the time. Do you remember this one when I threw you off the roof? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so, so Jesse and I, I had this flat roof section that we had to shovel off when we got those really big you know, footer snows, and um, Jesse was over. And Jovi got up on the roof with me, you know, dad's that's, you know, getting higher, better, right? And so um, we're getting down off the roof. And it, it's like, it's a drop-off. It, I, I've skied off of it before. Like, it's not that big of a drop-off. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of snow. Let's throw Jovi. And Jesse's like, yeah, yeah, let me back up. I'll throw Jovi. He was going to, like, grab her and catch her. Or no, no, like, let's just throw her. And she's like, you sure about this? I'm like, you know, we're good. So I take her, and, and I wanted to, like, pencil dive her into the snow, like, you know, straight down, like, poof, you know? And instead, she rotated forward a little bit and just landed on her face in the snow. And, I mean, look, she's right here. She's fine. But not, not my best dad moment. Here's, here's the worst one. Here's the worst one of my throwing my children. So Lucy is, how old was she? Maybe like four. And um, she'd already broken one arm, just say that, the year before. And, and so it's Titus's birthday party. We're at this gymnastics thing, like where there's like uh, ropes and swings and foam pits and stuff like that. And to, in my defense... Lucy's like, Dad, throw me into the foam pit, you know, throw me, throw me, throw me, you know, like, come on, come on, come on. I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I pick her up, and somehow, this is, it still doesn't make sense to me. I threw her into a foam pit and broke her arm. I, she didn't hit the side. I, like, threw her into the middle of this foam pit. She didn't land like this. She landed, like, on her back, and somehow, like, right here broke her arm, and I knew she had just done this the year before. So I, I like as soon as it happened, I knew what happened because I knew that look. It was like that ashen, like pale, like take me to the hospital look. And and she like literally like I, I weighed in and I get her, and somehow she broke her arm. So we we like we know the drill because we just did this last year, and it's the the other arm. It wasn't even like the you know, like rebreak. It's the other arm. And we confirmed with the doctor. It's like, they're not the same arm, right? Yeah, other arm. So we get to the hospital, and guess what? Lucy's telling everybody at the hospital. <laughs> you know what? Because they're all like, well, what happened, honey? And she's, she's like, my dad threw me into a pit. <laughs> totally forgets the word foam, okay? And then I got to be the dad, be like, there was, it was foam. There's a bunch of foam in there. So, you know, sometimes it works out. And so my point is grace is needed, okay? Grace is needed. Hopefully grace is offered. So without further ado, I want to introduce us to the four stages of parenting. And honestly, all these are is they're, they're simple. They're just really good handles 
There's probably some developmental research about these different ages, how one, you know, like kids um, uh, transfer from one, one stage to the next. Um, but it's just, as, it's general handles to, to help us to see as parents that at different points in time in our kids' lives, they need different things from us. If we do this kind of like one approach to parenting, always do the same thing, one size fits all, we're going to have regrets. Our kids, it might work for one stage of their life, but then all of a sudden, and, and if you're a parent, if you've been a parent for probably more than about five years, you know this. Even, even, yeah, even less. You know that at different times they need different things. I mean, practically speaking, but I think this is more the emotional things. The emotional side of things. Our kids need different things in different parts of their lives. And if we don't recognize this, if we don't take steps towards this, if we don't lean in towards these ideas, there's things that are lost. And some of you are nodding your heads because you're probably thinking about either things that maybe you did wrong as a parent or maybe your parents. Maybe like some of us know, like some of us left home. If, we're, if you're an adult, maybe you were like, I got to get out of here, away from my house because it's too stifling. That, that right there, that's a case of, of, of parenting that, that, I mean, you probably have your side of the story too. You're, you know, like you, you did your things wrong as well. But that could be your parents kind of like chased you out because it, like they, they didn't adjust with you. And so we're talking about these different, in, in, uh, these diff four different stages so that you can think about it if you have kids or you're going to have kids about how you can adjust your parenting during these different four different stages. The, so the four are this. They go like this. Go ahead and put it up. The, the first stage is the discipline years. And that's these ages zero or one to five. And the primary thing, your primary role here is, is you're, the, you're the disciplinary. You're authority. Um, and and, and you're, you're doing the discipline. And that's the focus. The second stage is training from ages 5 to 12. And then the, the coaching stage starts at age 12 or adolescence, goes through their high school years. And, and once they graduate high school, 18, and, and then they become an adult. And then the last stage is friendship. And I want to just put this up front. I want to, be, before we dive into each of these, I want to point out that that number four, that's the goal. I don't know, like if you're a parent or you know, if, if you talked with your, your partner about raising kids, like, hey, what do we want to say someday? Really good conversation. But my guess is, like, it, without putting words into your mouth, this is all what we really want. I mean, we want our, our kids to be, you know, self-sufficient would be great. But, but ultimately, you know, like, we, we don't even have um, um, goals around, like, if you're a spiritual person or a Christian, like, we would love to raise them in, God, in, the, in the way of godly living, and hopefully they follow in it. But ultimately, what it really comes down to is, is winning as a parent is your kids want to be with you when they don't have to be. You know, like, like, parents, like, isn't that all we want in life? Kids, kids, you need to, students, you need to hear this. Like, we, we want to do this in such a way. This is what we're aiming at. We're, we're hoping that someday you go away, which sounds really bad, but it's true. We really want you to go away and, and live your own life. 
If we don't, we're not a healthy parent. If, if, if we're like, no, just stay a little closer, a little, we'll talk about that in a second. If, if we want you to go away, but we want you to come back, and we want you to want to come back, we want to have a relationship, and it, to put this in the spiritual, into a spiritual light, because it's church, we hope to be brothers and sisters with you in Christ. We hope to see eye to eye with you, in a sense, where it's like, we, yeah, like, like what's the Lord teaching you? And I get, you'll share that with me as I get to share with you what the Lord's teaching me. And, and in a sense, we're, we're, we're just brothers and sisters in Christ, even though I'm your dad and you're my kid. That's the goal. That's where we want to get. And I wanted to just outline that really thoroughly because it's important to know the goal, right? Because when you know what the goal is, then it, 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 it influences how you handle the rest of the stages, especially the, the, the stages one through three. There are some difficult decisions that need to be made in order to achieve friendship with your kids. So let's start with discipline. This is the first one. This is, starts off right at the bat. And, and interestingly enough, and, and I remember when we became parents, how you, know, you read stuff and, and like you listen to blog, you know, read a blog or listen to a podcast or something like that. And it's like how, discipline when they're little itty-bitty tiny things that can't hardly do it. Yes, dis, like, like it starts day one. And you are the authority in their lives and you're starting to shape them and help them to see what's okay and what's not. And, and, and the key word here, the child's biggest need during this stage is consistency. They need you, they need structure. They need to know, like you need to get them to bed at the same, you know, same or similar time every day. If they don't, they're a wreck. And it's not their fault necessarily, it's really your fault at that point. And they need consistency. And this is the stage where you have the most authority. Because you have the most authority because like literally, and this is so, it's so beautiful to think about this, this, this whole developmental thing, the way that God created it in nature, but especially in humans, is that child, you are the center of their universe. They are so, especially for the mothers, Mother's Day, you like that, huh, huh? They, like, like they are just like, like the breastfeeding and the nursing, they are like dependent on you. You are the center of their world. For, it's like, I mean, you look in the animal kingdom for a long time, you know, like, like bugs have like, you know, an hour together. I don't know if no, it's true. You know, like an elephant gets how many years and we get, you know, like, like they, they are really dependent on us and we are the center of their world and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's exhausting and it tries you so much. Because you're barely getting sleep in that. And, and, and the key part, if you're in that period right now, even, not just the baby, infant, little itty-bitties, but like all the way through five, those years are exhausting. And your challenge as a parent is just to be as consistent as possible. Here's the other challenge, and this is the downfall that I've seen parents make. Here's the beautiful thing, guys. Here's my credentials, okay? Here's my cred. I was, I've been a youth pastor for years like, like, dec- like over a decade, 15 years. So I got to see all sorts of parental uh, approaches. I got to see parents do it right, and I got to see parents do it wrong. And I got to hear it firsthand from the kids. And, 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 and I got to like observe and kind of glean. And then here's the other thing. If I'm a master of anything, I'm a master of, like, I've, got, I've done the one through five. I've, I've, I've done 10 years of that. Isn't it like 10 years to make you a master? So I'm like the master of the discipline years. Let's just go with that. Those are my credentials, okay? 
So, yeah, thank you, Joey. Uh, so, uh, like, consistent. I'm not the most consistent person, but it, consistency is important. Um, and, and the discipline years where you, you need to draw lines and you need to, to keep to them. And you, you need to do it now. It's like literally like as is, 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 is a, a, a expecting parent, you, got, is, this, is, you can't, it, it starts right away. And that consistency builds a foundation for everything else. Because here's the problem. If you get at age five and then you get into the training years, you, you're still, there's discipline throughout all of this. Maybe stopping, obviously, in the friendship once they're adults, like <laughs> you can't discipline your kids. But let's be honest, if you're a parent, you know, like once you can no longer pick them, physically pick them up, put them in the crib and say, you need to go in the crib or you need to go in the chair, you need to go in the car, as soon as they're too big for that, you're done with the discipline. If you try to discipline your kids at age 12, it's over rover. Like, and, and I've seen this in the, my, my youth ministry years. I saw parents that didn't discipline. They're just like, oh, we're, we're the fun parents. Oh, we'll just, we take our kid everywhere. You know, like, like we were at this concert once, and there was a bunch of hippies with kids, and they're there like till like 2 a.m. I was like, that is not a good idea, you know? It's like, like we, we, the, if, you, if you neglect discipline in those first five years and then you start to see your kids like really acting out and you're trying to, trying to put a top on that, it's very difficult. And by the time that they're in their adolescent years, it's, you're done. So that's the discipline years. Consistency is what's needed. Let's move to the training years. This starts at age five. And I think that, this, that there's, there's key transitions that you can see. And again, the numbers, it might be different for your kid, like it's, it's, it's ballpark kind of stuff. But the big, the big um, tip off here is the word why. And, and, and kids, I remember kids started asking questions, saying why at age three. But they use why like, like, a, like a repetition 22, like why, 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 why? Like they, just, they don't even, they're not even paying attention at that point. They just like to ask why because it gets under your skin. But once the, the whys start actually saying stuff like, hey, why, why is the sky blue? Hey, why is that person asking for money? You know? Hey, why, why, why do you fast forward that part of the movie? Hey, why do you guys always need a date together, mom and dad? When they start at, so, so these why questions, they get deeper with time. Why does God allow this stuff to happen? That's a conversation you'll start having with your kids. And it can start in the training phase. That's like, that seems really deep. It's amazing how quickly kids start asking really deep questions about God. And it's this, guys, this training stage, this is, this is a huge stage. Because this is, a, a, it's, the, it's the marriage of two things coming together. It's the intersection of two things coming together. One, your kids are starting to be able to understand. Like, and it's amazing to watch them grow and learn how much, like, like in, at an early age, like how much they can actually grasp, Right? So they, they, they can actually understand things, but at the same time, you're their hero still, maybe. Like, like there's a good chance they still like you, okay? And so you get this wonderful opportunity, and it starts at age five for conversation 
where you get to just talk about anything and everything. And this, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, and the, the primary need for the kid at this point in time is gain, they just want to gain an understanding. And they want to understand you. They want to understand, and so you get a chance to talk. If you do this right, you talk about things like nature, money, God, the Bible, other worldviews, poverty, things that happened in history, things that happened to you personally, Things, you know, like good and bad, how you met your spouse, what you were looking for in a spouse, all of this is fair game. And the more, you, this is the time where you need to talk, about, you, just, you guys need to be in conversation. There needs to be a lot of dinner table, discuss, like a lot of time together as a family. These are years you don't want to miss because it's about to change. It's not a forever thing. In, this, in a sense, you have the most influence. Remember they're the center of your world when, in the discipline years? Like literally, you're the center of their universe. At every year that ticks away in this training period, you're becoming less so the center of their world. But you're still, like, you're still the mainstay. You're still the person they maybe talk to most. They're still the person that you, they get a lot of their information from. And so talk about things. Talk about everything appropriately, in an appropriate manner during these young years, these training stages. And what you do is you're training them for life. You're training them how you look at the world. And you can't force that on, you know, this is how we do it. Eh, maybe. It's more like, hey, this is where I've come in my life, and, and this is what I believe about the world and God and all of these things. And they're an open book. And you get to write in some of the pages during those years until they're about 12. And then something happens. And I pictured it this week almost like a tipping point, like, you know, like a teeter-totter. If at the very edge of the teeter-totter on this side that's down all the way like this, that's like the day they're born. As the timeline goes, somewhere around the age of 12, there's the, the, where, where the board hits the fulcrum and it starts to tip the other way. And what's, what, what's tipping is you are no longer the center of the universe. And you are no longer the main source of information for their lives. Somebody have a cell phone? Give me, a, give me your cell phone, Jan. Or you give me this one. I think this changes everything. This is the day that mo I was thinking about this week. And this is, you'll get this back, I promise. That I was thinking about, that's a cute picture of you two. Um, I was thinking about it this week. How um, this, this was not a thing necessarily for, us, for me growing up as a gen whatever I am. What am I? Gen X. Millennial. Somewhere like that. Yeah, so now we're in Gen Z. And, 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 and every Gen Z person is going to go through getting one of these someday. And, and, and I leave it up to you as a parent. I'm not going to say when. In our, in our family, um, we, we don't do an age thing. Like once you are 12 or 13 or 14, you get a phone. It's like when you're ready, you'll get a phone. Okay? Like, like, and, and we're watching. And, and here's the thing. Um, in the first phase, the discipline phase, we can say things like because I said so. Because you really can't explain to a three-year-old why they need to go to bed, you just, you need to go to bed. You can get away with a little bit of that in the training ages, but like, again, they're trying, they're seeking to understand. They want to know, right? And so you, your job is to bring them in as much as, you got to explain the why behind the what, right? And so what we do with phones is, uh, so one of our kids has a phone, one of them, you know, and then we have two that are coming up. 
And with the second one, we're like, hey, we'll let you know when you're ready. And we, we coach him, we train him on what would make him ready. But hey, were you making this decision? That, that helps us to see that you're ready for a phone. And the reason I bring up the phone is the phone's a big deal. Like it's a big topic of conversation in a lot of families. And the reason, here's why, and students, I want you to, I want you to hear this out. Because you're like, dude, why are you doing, just give me a phone. What's the big deal? You have no idea. You have no idea what this represents to us. And, and you have to, again, grace is needed. You need to extend grace to us as parents. Because we know as soon as, isn't this true, guys? As soon as, I feel like this is so true. As soon as we hand them the phone, here's your phone back. You're now an adolescent. As soon, I'm convinced that as soon as you hand a kid a phone, it, it moves. If it hadn't moved to that from training into the coaching phase, it happened that moment. Because they're, they're no longer the center, of, you're, you're no longer the center of their universe. You're no longer the, the place where they're learning the most from. And, be, and the, the world is at their fingertips with a phone. And they're officially in the coaching phase. And here's how I want us to look at the coaching phase. The key, oh, okay, so the key, yeah, the key thing um, uh, during training is just conversation. Just, just, even though you're tired and it would just be better to be like, I can't talk about that right now, talk about things, explain the why behind the what as much as possible. In the coaching phase, what's needed here, and this is one of the hardest things to give, is space. This is the phase, like, this is the phase where you're allowing them to go out and everything is already heading this way. Like school is becoming longer. It's becoming harder. It's more teachers, more studying, more friends, more time with friends. Friends are more important than you a lot of times it seems. That's what happens in this phase. And this is where they're starting to strike out. And this is the age of differentiation. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Three actually, yeah, no, in, in like three weeks. The uh, dis differentiation is huge, and we have to give our kids space. Because just just a little word on the differentiation piece. Differentiation is hard because they are like us, but they are not us. They're they're very much like us. Like 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 they're kind of like our offspring, right? But they they're not us. They're they they're God created them to be different. And, 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 and the hard part about this is, is that we have to wrestle with as parents is different is better. It doesn't feel that way. Different just feels different or foreign or in sometimes wrong. And so, kids, I just, students, I want you to recognize, again, the whole purpose is recognize where we're coming from as parents. We're juggling this. We're, we want, we desperately want you to be your own person. But we also want to make sure that you, you get to that place whole. And, and, and not with nothing in your way. And so we're juggling all this. But parents, going back to this stage, the most important part of this phase is space. Backing off. Letting your kids make decisions. Letting them have a phone at some point in time. And here's the thing. Um, that's hard. Because they're, they're like to use our analogy, you're training, you know, in that training phase, you're like, this is how I do life. This is how we do life. Now the coaching phase is you go do life. And as you go do life, uh, you can come back. You know where to come back to. You, you've got home base. 
And the way that I want to look at this is the, when I say coaching, because there's different kinds of coaches, right? <laughs> yeah. The coach that I want us to think about is the coach that's in the corner for a boxer. If we're doing coaching right, our kids should feel like they've got somebody in their corner behind them. Not someone yelling at them like, like the classic basketball coach. I'm thinking more of the boxing coach where they're going out and they're in the fight and every and once in a while between rounds they get to come back and you're giving them the space to fight and gosh is that hard. This is why you need to bear with us and give us grace as parents is we're wanting, you guys are wanting freedom and we're watching you struggle. And, and from the, for the last how many years? 12 years, we, we he, we've heard you cry and we run to you. And starting in this phase, we'll hear you cry and we might not run to you because we're going to let you wrestle with something. You know how hard that is for us? It's, 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 it's terrible. But it's something that's it's needed because it's your fight. And here's, here's the point that I want us to see. And I, I started doing... Um, wildlife a couple of years ago and I'd done I've done which is middle school ministry ages you know like like sixth to eighth grade and I'd done a lot of middle school ministry in the past but this is the first time I've done it with a middle schooler with my kid being a middle school student I realized within two weeks of being this you know being a young life leader being a wildlife leader with these middle school kids I realized within two weeks something I'd never realized before, and that was every one of those, every middle school student out there, and I'll stand by this statement, I believe this to be true, every middle school kid is in the fight, there is, is in the fight of their lives. Some, and it's true in high school, a lot of high school kids are in the fight of their lives. And I don't want to say like, Middle school is the fight of your life. It's, it, it, it's, it's not true. Like, I just went through the, one of the fights of my life a couple years ago when my dad died and then COVID hit. It was the one-two punch for me. And I, I've, been, I've been fighting that. I've been in that fight for the last few years. We, we come through different phases in our life where we're in the fight of our lives, where, where it's a quintessential struggle, right? Where, where, where something's happening in our lives and how we react to it depend, will, will shape our future and shape whether we come out of it whole and shape our self-worth. And I quickly realized within a couple weeks that every middle school kid is in the fight of their lives. Most of our students in the room, you guys, you guys need to know this. I want to speak to you today. You're, there's a chance that you're in the fight of your life right now. And I hope that that's not like me, like putting you down. I actually hope that that's lifting you up into realizing like, oh, maybe that's why this is so hard. I, I want to put something on the screen. This is from Young Life. This is from the thing you shared with me this week. Um, this is a Young Life teacher, uh, Young Life leader was a teacher. And she asked middle school kids like, hey, what would you like to say to adults? And this is one of the responses that she got. Dear adults. I really wish that you were just more careful about how you treat us. Yes, I'm young and dumb, but that doesn't make me any less capable. In fact, know that I am stressed out too. I'm working 24-7 as well as personal relationships, slowly falling apart. As I try more and more to cope with what's going on, I'm sleep-deprived. And catch this EQ, this next statement is incredible. 
and my only happiness comes from temporary fixes only to, for it to bite me on later on. Stop writing us off as lazy. Freaking help us. Children right now are going through hell right now, and some adults refuse to listen. Isn't, isn't this, this, is, this is a cry of somebody. You, you see like the, the fragment statements. This is somebody who's extremely intelligent, like sees what's going on. Like I know that these things I'm chasing, they're not giving me life, but I still feel drawn to them. But yet, and, and there's just moments, you know what, I've, I've read that this week, and it was, like, it was like a transmission of somebody in a war. Please send help. We're taking attack. We don't have enough resources. You know, like, we're just like, like, like the Morse code, like, we just need to get this out. That's what I see here. This is what, this is what and, and here's the thing. Students, I want to affirm you so much right now, because you're probably in the fight of your life. I want to do something for a second. Adults, how many of you during your teenage years, don't, don't raise your hand yet, I'm going to ask four questions, three or four questions. Raise your hand when I tell you to, if this is true, if any one of these is true about you. During your teenage years, you felt alone. Or if you felt like that you, you made mistakes that you really regretted. Or you did something, you, you, you didn't feel like you had anybody who truly knew you. Or you would say you were in the fight of your life. Adults, raise your hand if that was true during any of your teenage years. Keep them high, please. Students, you need to see this. What you're going through, we've gone through and we are with you. You can put your hands down. We're, you're not alone. What you're going through is, 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 is hard as it feels, it's, it's actually normal. Because there's, there's a fight for your soul. There's, we believe that there's an enemy out there that would love to see you destroyed. And, and would love to take you down. But I want to tell you, you have what it takes to go through these years. And, and, and just my own story, I, those, my, the fight of my life was seventh grade for sure. And, and I, that is, God has used that so much in my life and my story to form who I am and what I need to do in life. God is so good that way. He's big. But it's, parents, the reason I wanted to do this is like, I just want, I want to highlight this, is that during these years, we need to give them space. But we also need the two things they need from us is space and positivity. I don't know what your family culture is like, like if, if, if there's you know, a lot of sarcasm and a lot of joking. It, it might, these might be the years that you kind of lay off on some of that. The, these are the years that, that we maybe like honestly just need what they need, what students need from us as they go out and fight, and then they come back to us. And here's, here's the thing, here's the hard thing. How many of you ever picked up your kid from school? You're excited to see him. You brought him a snack. You, you've thought of all the things. You know, like you, you're planning a dinner that night and all that things. And you get in the car and you hand him a blueberry, you know, snack, you know, like fruit snack or something like that. And they throw it back at you and you're like, I like the strawberry ones. And they start crying. So you have a, a, a you have a, at that moment as a parent, it makes no sense to you. But here, let me help make a little bit of sense of what's going on. You're the corner. You're the coach in the corner, and you are a safe place. 
And there's probably a good chance that that student's been fighting all day. And yeah, they're going to come back and they're going to use you as a punching bag because they're mad. And you need to roll with it. That's what we need to do in this stage. We need to roll as parents. We need to just roll with the punches. Not just ignore them, not become the, the doormat. Not the, all of that needs to be talked about, but it comes later. You bring it up later and say, you know, when you, you've made, when you did this, you need to know that made me feel this way. And we just need to roll with them. And if we do, we'll be able to coach them. And the more we do, here's the thing, the, because we're never, we're never going to get this right. I, I, I've had that happen. I'm like, what's your deal, man? I just brought you a blueberry bagel. What the heck? You know, like I, that's been my response as a dad. And, and we've dropped the ball, but the more that you can roll with it, the more you can stay positive, the more you can give them space, the more you'll influence you'll have with them through these years. There's a direct correlation. And some of you can think as adults, you're like, that's my upbringing. My parents did that right. My parents didn't do that right. And this was the result. This is the coaching years. Huge years. Hard years. But years where we can maintain influence if we give them space, if we give them po um, positive, if, if we keep it positive and they know that we are for them. Guys, listen, that letter, if, if, if that letter got to you, you need to become a, a young life leader. You need to pray about becoming a young life leader because that's exactly what we get to do is, is walk with kids that are in that fight. And sometimes, sometimes their parents aren't walking with them or whatever their story is, they just don't have those resources, and we get to be a resource that way for them. It's so good. The last stage is friendship. And this is, this is where, ultimately, where we want to be. This is our primary goal. And there, you know, the, with the whole differentiation, there'll be a phase where they're like, they question everything you do, especially in those, those teen years, late teen years, into the 20s. They'll be like, no, I'm going to go show you how to live the, you know, the world. You know, there's this uh, quote by Mark Twain that he's like, man, when I left home, my dad was such a dummy. And then I came back a few years later as an adult, and I realized how much my dad had learned, <laughs> how much my dad had grown, you know? And the reality is, is we got to roll through all that. We, we, as parents, that's our, our responsibility. If we want friendship, is we need to see beyond what they're doing at the moment and roll with it in love. And then someday, all of a sudden, and I, I, remember, I remember I was close to my dad as I, I was graduated high school, and I thought to myself, man, we're just not going to be able to be as close anymore. And I went to college, and yeah, we didn't talk as much, we didn't see each other as much, but the conversations that started to roll with my mom and my dad in those years, my 20s, and now continuing to my 30s, now into my 40s, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. We want to be together. It's because my parents did a lot of this right. I'm hoping to do the same with my kids. And I'm hoping, the, 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 I hope the same thing for you, that someday we can just, be friends. And, and here's the thing, if, if you're here this, this morning again, and you're like, I miss that. Oh, you're saying, oh no, my kids are grown. It, it, listen, listen. I want to remind you of our secret weapon as, as Christians. It's repentance. It, it, it's not too late. 
And it's, you're probably, it might not be a silver bullet today. You're able to say, I'm sorry for something, but it might be the step in the right direction that might cultivate something that brings friends. It's never too late to be like, I'm sorry. If you're, you're realizing things this morning that you did wrong, and even if you're, a, if, you're, if you're the kid and you're an adult and you're calling your mom today and, and she didn't do things right, maybe helping, maybe you can see some of the things they were trying to do, she was try, trying to do. You can extend some grace because grace is needed. I want to end this way because we haven't opened the Bible, we haven't talked about God that much, but I just, I, as I was preparing this this week, the, the four things, all I could see is how God does this with us. Think about this for a second. From the, the day we're born, He's there. He, he knit us together in our mother's womb, as it says in the Psalms. He, he created, like, yes, we're the product of our parents, but God was very much involved in that process, bringing us together, making you who you are. Everybody look at me. You are made perfectly. God made you to be you. And then the Bible has like so many verses around discipline that like, I just had to pick the best one. This is Hebrews 12, 7. Endure hardship in life as discipline, as God is treating you as his children. And, and, and God's disciplining you. Guess what? Guess what? what? What were you struggling with this week? What was hard this week? What was difficult for you this week? That was God's discipline. We think of discipline as different, but like, like God uses all the hardship in our life to bring about something. For what child, what children are not disciplined by their father? In the end, it's a rhetorical question. Like, you know, like bad Parent, bad fathers don't do that. If you are not disciplined and everybody undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, illegitimate children. If, 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 if God didn't care about you, he wouldn't discipline you. You wouldn't, you know, if God, if you weren't your child, he wouldn't discipline you. Not true sons and daughters at all. And then he goes on to say that, you know, human fathers get this and they discipline their kids. And then the last verse, I said, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on, however. It produces a harvest of righteousness. And that's what God is doing in our lives as his children. He's disciplining us. He's training us through his word. The, the whole purpose of the, of the word is to train us in righteousness. This is uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful. Like, it's not just that God had a part to do with it. It's useful for us. It's useful in teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, no child, don't go down that path, you want to go this way, and what's the next word? And training us in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants every good thing for us, and so he gives us his word so that we may be trained in righteousness. And then the whole coaching thing, the whole coaching aspect, this is just one word, Jesus. It's summed up in one word. Like, like God was like, you know what? I sent them the Old, the Old Testament. I sent, they have a Bible. They have the Torah. And that's training them in some ways. But they need a coach. They need to see somebody living this out. And so he sent his son. And basically in three years, the, the three years we really have encapsulated in his life, of his life, we find the greatest coach of all on how to live this life.
And Jesus, at the end of his ministry, said to his disciples, they were super sad because he's, he's like, I'm leaving. They're like, we don't get it. We're confused. I know. And he says this in John 15, 15. This is so beautiful. I no longer call you a servant. I no longer call you servants because servants don't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you, say it, friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, you can catch this, everything that about the Father is becoming available, is being made known to you. Isn't that incredible? That's where God wants to take us. He created us as beings, these little tiny specks in the universe that, that, that he cared enough for to, to, to mold and shape and discipline and train and coach so that someday we might call God a friend. That's the paradigm. That's what he's aiming for in, in you. And if you're a follower of Christ, he will, he'll settle for no less. And that's hard sometimes. But imagine how beautiful it can be being friends with God. Imagine being friends with our kids. So it's a goal worth chasing. It's, it's something do, worth doing legitimately. It's hard, and it's difficult, and it's wonderful and beautiful. And you have what it takes. And we're, as a church family, we're here with you. That's why we're talking about these things. Let's pray. God, I thank you for being our Heavenly Father. And, and for those of us who... who for those of us who have followed you for even just a year, we, 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 we felt your goodness. We felt how good you are to us. And we pray for our kids. We pray for our students. Lord, it's not our decision. It's theirs whether they will follow you or not. And I pray that in the days, months, years to come, that they would take steps to loving you with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. And I pray for us as parents that we would be really good examples of that, that we would be the coach that's doing that. Help us, help us to love our kids better because of what we heard today. Lord, thank you for your grace that we need as parents. And I pray that we can be families that extend grace to each other. Pray for the person who's just having a hard time thinking about the, the conversation on the phone today with their mom or whatever, their parents or family. Pray that you would be with them. We just again, Lord, we thank you for your grace throughout all of this. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and, and let's sing the last song.